So what, what does the sword of Goliath, what does that represent? Do you remember just a few, two weeks ago, a few chapters earlier? What was it that that shepherd boy, when he went out right before he slayed that giant, what was it that he screamed out to, so everyone could hear? He screamed this. Little David screamed this. All those gathered here will know on this day, because of my act of faith in the Lord, they will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's. It is not by sword or spear. So what does he do when he gets desperate? Will you trust God in this moment, David? And what does he do? He says, no, I need a sword or a spear. And the very sword that could not protect the man who represented all strength and power, Goliath, the very sword that could not protect him, David now takes it to protect himself. He tries to put his security in a sword it is not by swords that the Lord saves. Now, I think at this point um, in the sermon, you're all going to agree with this, right? Let me make a quick theological point. If it's not by swords that the Lord saves, how is it that the Lord saves? Do you know, Christian? Jesus. Yes, specifically this. Jesus dying on a cross. So it's not by strength. It's by weakness. It's not by power, but it's by humility. Right? It's not by killing, but by dying that Jesus saves us. This is how the Lord saves. So, so when we look at this, we say Jesus hanging on the cross in weakness, humility, in faith, in love, dying for his enemies and praying, Father, forgive them. This is how the Lord saves. So back to this quote. It is not by swords that the Lord saves. I think at this point, all of us would see this and say, yes. I agree. Amen. Oh, when's the game today? But it's amazing. If you would just take the same sentence and you would change out one word, it becomes a lot more interesting today. Watch this. It is not by guns that the Lord saves. Oh, yeah. Wait, what was that? Swords, guns. Swords, guns. Oh, it just got really uncomfortable, didn't it? Oh, no. We're going to go all political here, aren't we? <laughs> So let me just say, first of all, I have no political axe to grind. None at all. I grew up on a farm, so much to the chagrin of many of my friends, I've never been against guns, whatever that means. Like, you grew up on a farm, and what do you, you need a gun, right? Like, how are you going to put down old yeller, right? Like, there's pests. We, literally, we've had rabid dogs run out and chase our sheep. What do you do? You're going to go hunting. You're going to get rid of pests. It's a tool. It's functional. Everyone has guns. You're supposed to have a gun. You need a gun on the farm. But here's the thing I've been thinking about recently. Um, um, how many of us are farmers? About 2%. How many of us deal with rabid dogs? Pests. A few of us are hunters, but not many. So like rabid dogs, farming, hunting, all of that stuff seems to be on the d decline. But two weeks ago in Washington Post, um, it said that gun ownership is on the such a, a dramatic incline that we're now at the point that there are, and I quote, 357 million guns in America. And this is a tipping point because now it means there are now 40 million more guns than there are people. Now that, I, I don't know... I just have to ask some questions like, why? Like, 
if we don't live on a farm and we don't see rabid dogs and we don't hunt, why would literally every man, woman, baby, and most of our dogs need a gun? But that's where we're at. So I'm not a politician, and I honestly don't know the research. So maybe the, like, the conceal and carry stuff, maybe that lowers crime rates and makes it safer. Maybe restricting gun laws would actually stop these insane, obscene mass shootings. I don't know. I don't know all the data. That's not my point. I'm not a politician. I'm a pastor. I study the Bible for a living. And here's what I can tell you. After studying the Bible for 15 years now, 20, 25 hours a week normally in the last five years, I can tell you this. It is not by guns that the Lord saves. Before we turn Dirty Harry into like the patron saint of Americans and think blowing away bad guys is somehow Christ-like, can we just reflect on the fact that Jesus, our Savior, won by dying? That we are a people shaped by the cross of Christ. What's that? The Apostle Paul says, we are cross-shaped people. People who are constantly dying to ourselves. That's what we are. That's how we have victory in Jesus Christ. Do you know how Jesus triumphs over a murder? It's not by saying, go ahead and make my day. He pursues that murder and he loves him. And he breaks into his life. And he takes that murderer and makes him an apostle. The apostle Paul. He redeems him. He takes his enemies and he makes him a friend. He makes him a child of God. And that is a victory that no gun can ever win. That's the victory that we're looking for. Jesus didn't overcome the world with guns and neither will we. So am I saying that there's no place for guns? No, I'm really, really thankful for soldiers police officers and the like. I really am. I'll be the first to shake their hand and say, you make our world safer. Thank you for putting yourself in harm's way. But let me say that we will never have enough guns to triumph over the world. Never. We will never have enough guns to bring peace on earth. And we will never have enough guns to bring an end to evil because guns cannot solve these problems. Jesus Christ can. And he will. So quick application. Go ahead, go dig your zombie apocalypse bunker in the back of your lawn, get your big stockpile of semi-autic machine guns, and when you do, invite me over, because I actually think that's really cool. I'm going to see it all, all right? But know that what's coming cannot be saved with guns and bunkers. That it is not by guns that we're saved, it's by Jesus Christ alone. And let's put our faith in him.